and we're going to jump in. Um, today's a fun day, I think, where we start digging into the material and looking at the text. I figured out the video, so that's kind of nice. Um, I learned what was messing up the viewing of it. So we'll basically just pick up where we left off in regards to connecting with the video. Um, probably get to it today, but maybe not. We'll see. All right. Because um, I want us to start the reading process. And whenever we, whenever we finish that, we'll jump back into video. Technically speaking, Act 2 is due tomorrow, yes, which will allow us to continue in the video as well. All right. And then, yeah, hopefully you're getting the feel and rhythm for Act 1 this week, Act 2 next week, Act 3. And we'll just keep rolling. The homework says to read specific acts, okay? Sorry, specific scenes. I do want you to read the entire act. I want you to read the whole play, right? But I'm just doing homework on those specific things to chop things up or to have you focus. Questions on logistics. We're good? All right, well, uh, let me pray. Jesus, thanks for your grace, your goodness to us, your love for us. I pray that you bless our efforts here to learn and to grow. Uh, thanks for that long weekend, and we're gearing back up here. Uh, guide us in truth. Uh, thanks for the cooler weather, and uh, thanks for 12th night. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey. Okay, ready? Everybody take your book, all right, and then go like this with your book. Put it upside down on your desk, all right? And then you can get out a pen or a pencil, and uh, I'd like you to either open to one of the flappy flaps. So flappy flap on the back, which is nice and blank. There's a couple of blank pages there. Or flappy flap on the front, which is blank. Or if you don't want to write in a flappy flap, then get out a blank sheet of paper, and uh, we're going to do a little quizzy quiz quiz. Okay? Oh, come on, a little pop quiz in English class? You should be used to that. It's not worth any points for your grade. We're just doing a pop quiz because they're fun. All right? Right? Aren't they fun? This one's fun. I think this one's fun. I only give fun quizzes. How's that sound? Otherwise, why? What are we doing? All right? So, for your quiz, I don't want you to look at the name list, okay? So you've got inside flappy flap, back flappy flap, which is kind of a fun way to do it because then it's all in your book or blank sheet of paper, whatever you want to do. And I want you to, this is our dating game quiz, all right? Our dating game quiz, you've got Olivia, draw a line, and then you've got Viola. I put a little heart there, not between them, just because it's the dating game quiz, all right? So, you've now potentially read Act 1 fully, and even dipped into Act 2 for a bitsy. Maybe you're done with Act 2. So we're in the play enough to know that this play is about marriage and it's about love and it's about relationships and it's about all these other themes. If you're Olivia, you will be married by the end of the play. But we're at the beginning of the play. So I want you to write down all of her options. Okay? What are Olivia's options for getting married? Real quick, for this quiz... No incest, all right? So she is not marrying any of her relatives. Nudge, nudge. Same thing with Viola. She's not going to marry her twin. Got it? 
So that's not going to happen. And then also for this play at this school in this class for Shakespeare's play, did everybody catch my context there? We are not doing any same-sex marriages. Got that? We will talk about that. It definitely comes up. It comes up today and tomorrow, actually. So it's going to be there. But for the quiz, these two don't do that. Does that make sense? So what are their options for the men in Illyria? Ready, set, go. Write down as many as you can. I mean, all's fair in love and war, right? Kind of. Not really. Yeah. No, no names. So yeah, don't look yet. So not right now. I just want to see how you do. How are we doing figuring out the stuff like that? Here, we'll help you out. Morning, we're doing a dating game quiz. So pull out some paper. Who could Olivia marry? Who could Viola marry? Because they both end up married at the end of the play. What are their options? All right. I didn't say good or bad options, just what? Options. Just their options. Okay. Time or are we good? Got as many as you can think of. Okay, we're good. All right, we're good. Ready? You don't need to open the book up yet. Let's just see how we're doing with our options for these young ladies. Who could Olivia marry? Van yeah, Van Heiser. Or Sino, so Duke. I like how when she's the man, she just called what? He just called Duke. Yeah. So Duke O. Um, Malvolio. Malvolio, right? He's crushing on her. So Mal. Who else? Good job. Yes. Seb, right? He's alive. So Sebastian. Hey, Andrew, Andy, Sir, Andy, who else? There's a couple more, yeah. Festy. Festy, I mean, come on, right? She could, theoretically, she could marry the fool, right? Come on, who's the one to marry the class clown? Yeah? Who else? That's a pretty good list. Why is Toby not on that list? Yeah, it's her uncle, so she's not going to marry the drunk uncle. Could you put Antonio on here? You could. He's, he saved Sebastian, if you read into Act 2. So you could put Antonio and Sebastian, right? Um, nice work. Yeah? Viola, what are her options? Yes? Duke. Good. Mal, I mean, we can just go right here, Mal. 
Not Seb, why? That's her bro. Oh, by the way, why is Cesario not on her list? Because Cesario is who? Okay, good. Um, Andrew? Bestie? Antonio? Who is on here that's not over there? Toby. Yeah? Now, I know if you go to the name, so you can go to the name list right now. If you go to the name list on page 83, right, you could potentially, like, the officers and Kirio and Valentine and, you know, the priest. Right? If you wanted to throw those names on the list as options, theoretically, you could, right? Nice work. Give yourself an A or something, whatever you want. Give yourself whatever grade you want. Hopefully, you took some notes and paid attention. But now let's get into the actual lesson of this and don't miss some of this on our nice little 8 o'clock Wednesday morning, we made a list of options. It's been interesting the last couple of days to see people perk up or not at this. But we made a list of options. Ladies, how are the options? Yeah, I mean, how are you? <laughs> right? And whether we all want to admit it or not, some of you have actually written down your options here at Wheaton Academy or the surrounding high schools. Like, you actually did what I just did. You wrote down options. It's fine. It's great. No problem. And the rest of you who didn't write it down, you've got a list. Come on, right? Nobody's nodding. Like, you have a list. You want, what are your options here at Wheaton Academy for going on a date or for even dating someone? And maybe you're like, yeah, there's none. Right? So then you're going somewhere. And what are my options at church? What are my options at the other schools around here? What are my options in California? What are my options for who I, I'm, I could date? Strangely, some of you will be married within the next four or five years. So this isn't that far off. <laughs> I just read an article two weeks ago, though. It says that marriage rates are now the, uh, starting to push into the late 20s, early 30s. Well, and it is what it is. So maybe it'll be 10 years from now. But some of you want to get married. Some of you don't. Bless you, right? No need to, okay? But it, it's interesting to, like, get this out of the book, get this off the movie, right into our class, if we're going to be really practical about this, which why not, right? Otherwise, what are we doing here in English class? So let's do this then. You have a list. They have lists. You have options. They have options. Okay, what do we got? Duke Orsino, thumbs up or thumbs down? Come on, give me a little, give me a little interaction, a little voting. What do you guys think? Is he a plus sign? Medium, so we got, we got some pluses. Malvolio. Oh my goodness, some of you are giving him like a medium or a thumb up. That's okay. Maybe he's the head butler. He's totally self-righteous Puritan who's in love with himself. Ladies, you want that? I was say, you want the religious jerk? At Wheaton Academy, you want the hypocritical religious jerk who thinks he's better than everybody else because he's like the best Christian around? Ladies, anybody? You want to hang out with that guy? Oh, I don't see any hands. Okay, just checking. All right. So that's probably a negative. Sebastian? Oh, we hardly know him. He just washed up on shore, but he's Olivia's bro. Probably cool. Sir Andrew? 
He's rich. Come on, he's rich. Come on, he'll get you a nice house and a nice car. But just remember, you have to have sex with him. All right, there you go. All right. I just want you to keep that. Thanks, Virgie. I appreciate that. But I think it's really interesting, though. We don't go there. Like, if you're going to marry this guy, you've got to share a bathroom with him. You're going to be sleeping with him. You're married to him. Yes, he's rich, but he's also an idiot, right? He's a drunken fool. But do girls do that, by the way? Do they hang out with the, drunken, the rich drunken fools? Do they? Yeah. Oh, by the way, do guys do that with the girls, too? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Never, never, right? But I think it's really interesting that we've got Sir Andrew in here. He's maybe not necessarily the Toby who's a pervert, but he's definitely an idiot, right? Like, he's not there, and he doesn't know how to treat women well. He thinks he does, but he doesn't. So I don't know about Andy here, probably a negative. How about Festy? Who wants to marry the class clown? Yeah. He's funny. He's funny. Let's go. Maybe Festy. Does Festy want to get married? Probably not. So I think that's an interesting one. You can go with a few you know, questions. Antonio? Nice guy. He rescued Sebastian. Yeah, he's willing to serve Sebastian if you read Act 2. So maybe a plus sign for Antonio, possibly. All right, we can just go down the list here. The one that's over here is Toby. Drunk, mooch, pervert. Ladies, anybody? Hand <laughs> down. Right, so this is like double negative. What do you got? Cesario. This is Cesario. Yeah, Cesario. No, good question. That's in fact, honestly, that's why we're doing a little dating game quizzes. Let's figure out who's who, what's going up, what are my options, what's the quadrilateral that we're trying to deal with in regards to love, right? So that's, as we look at this, now what do we just do with your list? We just evaluated the list, right? So I, I can't resist the opportunity not, no shame, not trying to do any shame here at all. And we're definitely not going to do names. But what if I had all the guys stand up and walk to the front of the room? And then we did the lineup. Oh, we should do that. I know, that's what they said last class. I'm like, no way. <laughs> Love, safety. But, but here's the scoop. I want to challenge you guys on this. We can do the same thing with the ladies. Where are you on these lists? Right at like you guys right here right now. There's plenty of wealthy people walking around who are kind and loving and generous and humble. That's really attractive, actually. It's kind of cool, right? Like that exists. There's also though right here in the hallways, wealthy people like Andrew who are kind of idiots. They they're not generous and they're totally selfish. And by the way, is that attractive, ladies? It's, it's just not. No, I'm trying to shame anybody. I'm just saying, like, Shakespeare's putting this on stage so that we can see it. And if we're not going to translate it to these hallways, exactly, right? We're missing, like, the whole point of even doing this class in some regards. If we're just going to talk about the books versus actually learn from them. What about the drunken fools? Do they exist right here? I went to Wheaton Academy. I've been here for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> There's the perverted drunken fools 
at this school? Anybody want to date them? Interestingly, yeah, some people do, which is so ironic, and we'll even see that in this pledge. But like, who are you, right? Who are you in the lineup? I don't know. I mean, I right now what we're talking about is setting some standards for your lineup. And part of me is like, if you're thinking this is a little awkward, actually that's like the point, one of the main points of the lesson. I hope, I mean, my 12-year-old daughter might be coming here. I'm gonna help her set some standards, right? <laughs> I'm not sure I want her, you know, going out with the guy who's looking at porn all the way through school on his phone and making really horrible, rude, racist remarks and stupid sex jokes. But if you think that that guy isn't here, that guy's here. By the way, so is the girl, right? <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're here. But that, that's Shakespeare's point. The Tobies aren't just in Twelfth Night, they're where? But if we talk about getting married to a Toby, or going on a date with one of these people, it changes the whole tone of the lesson this morning, doesn't it? Right? What do we do with the Festi, who's really funny, but, like, do we want to marry him? What do we do with the Duke Orsino, who... Right? Who's kind of in love with love. But, but he's rich. Right? And again, that like all these characters start coming off of the screen and off of the page into our lives. Thoughts, questions, comments? I mean, let's, do the, let's, really, like, let's really go on the lesson. Whose list are you on? Are you on anybody's list? Do you want to be on anybody's list? Does that make sense? <laughs> right? I mean, here's like a walk out the door practical moment in Shakespeare class. If you want to date someone who's kind and loyal and honest, right? Fair enough? Just those things, kind, loyal, and honest. If you want to date someone like that, or you want them to ask you out, or maybe even marry someone like that, ready? Project. If you want that, well, what kind of person do you think that person's going to want? Right? Like if you want a kind, loyal, and honest person to ask you out, well, a kind, loyal, and honest person is going to ask out someone who's very likely what? Kind, loyal, and honest. So like, what are you doing to be on someone's list? Or stay on someone's list? And if you're like, but I don't like this whole list thing, but you don't have to like it, it's there. And actually part of me is saying, it can be what? Really healthy, like really good. We should have some standards, right? <laughs> or no, oh my goodness. Shakespeare class, right? I know it's early. I hope you have some standards for dating, marriage. What does Festy say that's so loaded at the beginning of this play? Many a good hanging prevents a bad marriage, right? And you're like, <gasps> harsh line, but when we look at the weight of that line, we already talked about the weight of that line, makes you wonder why Shakespeare dropped it at the beginning of this play and what it's like to live in a crummy marriage, right? Or for you guys to go home to one. Eh, not real fun. 
right? I guess we're at a plus 50% divorce rate. That's Christian and secular. All right. Maybe we should have some standards. Fair enough? Questions? Keep going? Everybody catch the lesson? So as we watch group, group thought, yeah, what do you got? No, I, I, was, I was just making about like if it was like the outside the divorce rate was the percentage of like and that's Christian, that's secular. It's like the fifty percent is like only secular, it's just like only Christian. Oh yeah, no, it's both hey. Hey, uh Joshua Martinez and Molly. Okay. Peace. We'll see you guys in a few. No, Bertie, you know what's interesting? Some of the stats show that the Christian divorce rate is actually higher. There you go. But the interesting thing is that what they're saying to defend that, which there's no defense for, right, is that the, in the secular realm, there's less people getting married. But then the people who did that research checked, and there's less Christians getting married, too. So there you go. It's just, yeah, things are, things are, now, I'm not trying to diminish that percentage. Part of what you're going to see in this play, and part of what we're going to talk about, is marriage is really hard. And it's not easy to make work and to have it work well. Marriage is hard. Hard things are worth it often. It's worth working hard at a good marriage, but they're hard. I think that's part of the issue, especially in our modern culture. But I think that's part of the issue as well, is uh, what kind of standards do we have? What are we doing to be worthy of a marriage, right? What's the connection that we have in regards to you know, what character we are right now. If you don't like who you are, well, what can you do? You can change. People change, right? Isn't that Frozen 2? People change, or is that Frozen 1? I get them mixed up. Right? Frozen basically defines the world, right? So. All right. Let's do a – thank you for that comment, right? I think it's interesting. I don't want to throw that around, but during Twelfth Night, I, I bring it up just because this play is about relationships. It's about marriage. Um, you even have several of the characters who want to get married but don't. Some who want to get married, but who do they end up with? You can place your bets, right? But there's also a couple characters who I just think don't want to be part of this craziness. Right? They're like, I don't want to be part of that. I don't need to be married, and that's okay. Paul writes about that in the Bible. Some of you in the room, maybe it's best if you didn't get married, right? For your sake and for potential kids' sake and for the world's sake. The nuns were onto it. They just married God because they knew they'd be married to God forever, so why not just start now? Go nuns. <laughs> They're brilliant. <laughs> okay, go to page 83. Let's look at the name list. And I just want to, as we dive into all this, um, our goal today is to slow down and look at Act 1 and find the lines that hit with the theme and to unpack it. I will not go this slow for every scene and for every play. But what we're doing, right, is we're making sure everybody's catching up and keeping up and staying in line with the story. So I think this is kind of fun. We didn't do this, right, with the names. Does anybody have, like, is there, did you guys take notes all over your names? No, yeah. So grab a pen or a pencil and watch what Shakespeare can do simply with the names, okay? Orsino, I don't know, what do you think? His name means bear, Yeah? all you artists out there, draw a little bear, right? 
Um, is he a teddy bear or is he a grizzly bear? What do you guys think? Uh, yeah. uh, yeah. All right. Um, he's the Duke. What does Duke mean? Powerful and rich. Of Illyria. First three letters of Illyria spell ill, which means there's going to be people who are what? Sick. What kind of sick? Yeah, love sick. Not COVID sick. We got love sick. What'd you say? Deadly sick? It will actually, though, that comes up. Is the plague rampaging Europe at this time? Yes. And so when we have the ill, we've either got the deadly plague sick or the COVID sick, right? Or the love sick. And this play is going to be what kind of sick? The love sick, which could be deadly, actually. <laughs> got to be careful with love. All right. Uh, leery, so ill, leria. Leery, when someone feels leery of something, they're kind of what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's part of this, too. So that there's love, sick, kind of hesitant, uncertain. Yeah. Okay. Curio, everybody give me your best British curio. One, two, three, go. Curio. Right, go. Come on. Ready? Curio. That's a great British word. Curio. What does it sound like? Curious or Cheerios, right? So there you go. I'd probably go with curious. All right, so. Jot down that. Valentine. Valentine? Does that mean Valentine? What would be a natural question? Well, did it mean Valentine back then? And the answer is 100% yes. 200 years earlier, Chaucer wrote a poem called The Parliament of Fowls. You have to write all this down. But it was a bird about birds, and the girl bird was picking a mate. And yes, love birds. And it was... Uh, that was the first time that St. Valentine's Day was mentioned in literature. So thank you, Chaucer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Valentine's Day is awesome. That dude basically, not, not kidding, basically fought sex trafficking back in the day. He would buy girls out of forced marriages, you know, helping them with their dowry so that they could be free to choose who they want to marry. Go. Because Valentine's Day is about celebrating choice. I mean, yeah, love, but that's the whole point. Can't have love without free will. Okay, all right. Officers, we got first and second officers. If there's police officers in a play about love, somebody's doing what? Someone's, yeah, someone's getting arrested. Somebody's doing something, so. Or they're trying to protect either one. Uh, Viola, how do you guys want to say your name? Viola, Viola, Viola? Viola, that's great. Okay, whatever. Uh, sounds like what? Hmm? Yes. Yes, sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. It's the mask, right? So the instrument. So there is an instrument, by the viola, or there's violin, or there's violet, right? So she's a flower. So if music be the food of love, play on. And then six lines later, Orsino says violet. He says music and violet, and her name is a musical instrument, and it sounds like violet. Go, go. And violet means faithful. Very nice. All right. Later disguised as Cesario. Cesario sounds like what? Caesar. So she likes Caesar salad. Yeah. See? There we go. And that's where your literature teacher went way too far. And you take it and catch it. Have you wrote Caesar salad down? Maybe. Maybe she likes Caesar salad. I doubt it. But <laughs> anyway. All right. Sea captain. Captain, 
That means there's boat stuff. Usually we trust the captains, and so that's a trustworthy character. Sebastian. Anybody know what Bastion means? Tower of Strength. Kind of cool. So Sebastian is a sea tower of strength. So that's kind of cool. All right. Twin brother. Any mention of mom or dad? No mom or dad. Yeah. What was that? Dad died. Yeah. So dad died for Olivia. Dad died for the twins. So we got dead dads. No mentions of moms. Woo. Intense. Antonio. Uh, what's an antonym? Opposite. Everybody write the word opposite down. That will come up pretty soon. Probably tomorrow. We'll get to act two and we'll look at Antonio. So write down opposite. And maybe a question mark next to Antonio. Your choice. <laughs> um, Olivia. Woo-woo. We've got an Olivia in the class. Go team. Olivia is a great word. Uh, notice the difference between Viola and Olivia. Very similar, just the letters are all switched around. And Olivia has an extra I, so maybe she has three I. No, 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 too far, too far, too far. Or maybe she's focused on herself. She's focused on I a little too much. Ah, uh, maybe not. But we do at least have Olivia. Olive, what does Olive represent? Peace, right? Peace, the olive branch. And also, live is in her name, so alive, it means life. And anybody know what via means? Life, it's the Starbucks stuff, right? So via, <laughs> but that means life. So her name is, oh, life, life, peace. That's pretty cool. Part of why we named our daughter Olivia. It's a great name. All right. Uh, she's a countess, so she likes to count. What is she counting? Her money <laughs> and her power. She's probably not counting her power, but countess. So she's powerful and she's rich. Wait a second, we've got a powerful, rich dude, but what else do we have in this play? Powerful, rich woman. Thank you, Shakespeare. Yay. That's good. All right. Maria. Anybody know what Mara means? It's from the Bible. Sea of bitterness. That fits her name. You should write that down. She's bitter. She's frustrated. She's angry. She is a waiting gentlewoman. When you go to a restaurant, maybe uh, you've been one of these. When you serve the food, you are a waiter or waitress. So she is a waiting gentlewoman. She's serving. She's a gentlewoman who's serving. But she'd also like to be married. So if she ever gets married, she's out. Yeah. So she's waiting to get married, and she's serving Olivia. Sir Toby Burke. Sir means what? Knight. You guys need to process, if, if you haven't yet, I gave you Shakespeare in Love a little bit, but like Renaissance is right after the Middle Ages with knights and horses and ladies and castles, right? Like, yes, Robin Hood, like all that stuff. And so I want you to try to wrap your brain around that concept that there were knights kicking around on horses with the swords. Yes? What is Shakespeare potentially saying about knighthood, though, at this point? Sir Toby... Drunk? How is how is chivalry doing? Eh, probably fading away or dropping out. Sir Andrew. Oh, by the way, Olivia's kinsman, uncle. Okay, uncle kinsman. Um, Sir Andrew Aguface. Ague means auger. 
So he's really Sir Andrew Drillface. I don't know what that means, but drill cheek. Um, he's a knight as well. He's a companion of Sir Toby. Many of you are probably wondering, ooh, companion, companion? Eh, probably not these guys. I mean, it could be. That does come up in the play. But really, it's his drinking buddy. Yeah? Think college drinking buddy. Except he's super rich. Okay? Um, Malvolio. So now we've got Viola, Olivia, and Volio. Do you see the three, the connection there? But this is Mal. What's Mal mean? Bad. So this is bad Volio. Yes? Bad Volio. Fabian. Oh, by the way, Olivia's steward. What's a steward? A servant. But steward is like the head servant. So this is Jeeves, head butler. Okay? He's the Puritan, but he's not just any type of Puritan. He's the self-righteous Puritan. Okay. Fabian, Parkway, up the road now. Fabian, he's just hanging out in the house. Have you noticed that there's lots of hanger-oners in Olivia's house? Yes. Talk about that later. Festy, sounds like what? Festive, feast, festival. Yes? Fester. Huh? Okay, did we already talk about the role of the jester in Renaissance? I don't think so in this class, did we? No, a little bit. Let's expand that even more. So Festi is the clown, all right? He's the jester. Does anybody in the room like to laugh? Hey, yeah, I'm having you raise your hand. If you don't like to laugh, that's okay. Or you're on your phone distracting yourself and not paying attention right now. Um, so let's not do that, right? Um, but yeah, festive, festival, festy, jester, clown, fool. We like to laugh. Did they like to laugh back in the day? Yeah, it's not just us, but who likes a good, you know, funny YouTube clip? Or a really funny movie, right? Or a good funny story. Like, we like that stuff. And so if you want to go to see a live comedian, can you do that today? Yeah, we like good comedy on TV, or we go to a comedy show, or we've got furnace company that make us laugh, because we like to laugh. Laughter is really important. It's part of life. Yes? Back in the day, did they have YouTube? Did they have movie theaters? Did they have TV? Did they have any of that kind of stuff? No, but they still like to laugh. So if you wanted to laugh, and you wanted a comedian to help you laugh, you had to do what? It had to be live. Yeah? So imagine if you like watching Will Ferrell and you think he's funny and you go to Elf and Elf is funny and you get to laugh for Elf. If you wanted that kind of a laugh, if you wanted Will Ferrell to make you laugh, he'd have to be where? Like in your living room. Does that make sense? And if you think that's weird, he's in your living room if you're watching the TV in your living room. Does that make sense? It's just on a screen. Yes? Is there something different with live? Well, yeah, live's amazing. But... It also creates that intimacy. So I want to challenge you, like, the, the jester is basically your live comedy show. And for the wealthy people, they had their personal jesters because they like to laugh. And it'd be like having a comedian follow you around to help you laugh because we like that, right? Are we tracking? Okay. Another thought, though, especially Shakespeare's jesters and fools. You'll see this in King Lear if you study King Lear. 
He's super famous for this. But the jester had license to be able to say whatever he wanted to without getting killed or fired. Pretty sweet. And you're like, what's the big deal? No, no. Those of you who are wealthy or know wealthy people, especially if you are wealthy, are there sometimes you have to nod or shake your hands, but there are people who want to be your friend because of what? The money. And then they're going to say whatever they want to say to make you feel good. And rarely are you going to get the honest answer. Does that make sense? Because if they're really honest, like the emperor is naked, you know, like, right? You rarely get that kind of reflection. People who have power and wealth have a hard time finding honest friends to help them. Does that make sense? I mean, at least does that make sense? Yes? Because if you're, if you're living in fear that you might lose the friendship over being honest or lose the position or get fired from your job, you're just going to shut up and say whatever you need to say. But then the person who has the power and the wealth is not getting any what? Any open, honest feedback. And so this is kind of cool. Did you already maybe notice, right? Festy can say what to Olivia? Whatever he wants. He's what's called, you'll hear it in the lines here, an allowed fool. Okay, he's allowed. He is in, he's allowed, he's allowed to say whatever he wants and he won't get in trouble and he won't get fired. Anybody want that job? Maybe? Maybe, kind of cool. I like to be able to say, I can say whatever I want to these people and they might get mad, but I won't lose my job and I won't get my head chopped off. Making sense? That's a little bit of what's going on here, but especially with the wealthy people, they want someone who's going to at least tell them that they're being an idiot or they're blind to something or whatever. Questions? Okay. Um, priest, what do priests do in the play on marriage? What will they do? Marry people. And in Hamlet, what will the priest do? <laughs> Bury people, right? So marry or bury. The priests should also be offering grace and forgiveness. All, should be. They don't always do that. Sometimes we get a corrupt priest as well, but there's something going on with that. Then we got servants and musicians and lords and attendants, and there we go. Go team? Questions on characters? We all know our characters. We all get some of the concepts here with love, and we're starting to process out who's who. So I say we jump into the text and then back into the movie at some point here, all right? Um, I got a few things I want to highlight for you just in case you missed them. I've already mentioned some of this stuff, but since we're here at Shakespeare class, I'm your teacher, it's the first act of our first play, let's just kind of make sure we're getting it, we're not losing it. So great time for pen or pencil and your theme. So if we go to even page 85. Right, so act one, scene one, line one. If music be the food of love, play on. What's the play about? Love, right? How's this said? And you can see right there, line six, we get the word violence. I would, I would have Viola washing up on shore while Arsena's saying violence, right? Like, ooh, eh, eh, eh. Well, whatever. Okay. He's in love with love. All right, and so what I want to introduce you to now, some of you will want to write this down in your book. Some of you are just going to pay attention and listen. Either way, I'm going to keep calling this thing the spectrum of love. Spectrum of love. Right? I think I already introduced it to you. 
But Shakespeare's going to put on stage all different kinds of love. And what did he just put on stage right there? Someone who's in love with love. And do those characters exist even at Wheaton Academy? Yeah, they're kind of like that romantic, right? They're, they're in love with the concept of love. Yay. All right. Keep going. Page 86 and 87. He gets, now he starts talking about love. He says it's like the tides coming in and out like the tides, right? It's overwhelming, and then I hardly feel it. And some of you who've been in love before, or maybe you're in love right now, one day you're like, oh my gosh, I just I can't get enough of this person. And then the next day you're like, eh, not so much. Yes? No? Are we tracking? So that, that's kind of, he's describing love and what love is like. Now, page 87, I don't think we did this. This is where you need to help me as your teacher. Did we already talk about the hunt and the trophy wife? Okay, I, could, I, I need to, right, I'm teaching three Shakespeare classes at once, and sometimes I'm like, did I, yes, uh, so if I start saying, yeah, and the hunt and all this stuff, you're like, to make it, to make it, you already did the whole hunt thing. I'm like, oh, okay. Can you help me? Okay, okay. We did not do the hunt thing, so we should do the hunt thing, all right? Page 87. He's talking about love, and Kirio comes in. He's like, will you go hunt, my lord? You guys, we are 16 lines in. This is 30 seconds into the play, and our first, second main metaphor, because he does the whole tides. Our second main metaphor is hunting. Will you go hunt, my lord? What's Kirio? The heart. Oh, come on. Shakespeare. Hunt, heart hunting. No, yes. In England, a heart is a deer. So we're going to go hunt deer, but it's really called a heart. So we're going to... Nobody... Yes? No? Yeah. Uh, yes? Heart hunting. Relationship heart. Okay. I said it way too many times. So we're going to go heart hunting. What you're not catching, though, is heart hunting? What do you... If that's relationship, what do you do when you go hunting for a deer? You kill it. And then what? Eat it. And then what do you do with the head? Put it up on the wall. What? Why are we introducing that metaphor right now? Hunting? Well, um, I, I, here we go. You're going to have to pretend. You probably don't see this at Wheaton Academy at all. So just pretend you're at some other school. Right? Can you imagine some senior guy or girl, if it's a senior guy, right, and he's like, <gasps> Oh my gosh, 90 transferred. There she is. I've been waiting my whole life. And so then I got to get her to like me. So you come up and be like, hey, you want, like, we can do like COVID, socially distanced hangout date thing this weekend? She's like, no way. And so then what do you do? You just completely give up, right? No, what do you do? Come on. Ready? Game on, right? Like, right? And so now it's like, oh yeah, she said no. Let's go. And then you keep asking and you keep going and you keep this and that and the other thing. And then finally she says what? Yes. No. <laughs> no, finally she says yes. And then you get to be seen with her, right? Because you got to make sure that that's half the point. You got her, right? Now you're seen with her. And then after a month or so, you're like, yeah, thanks. Oh my gosh. Wait a second. Where was she? Was she here this whole time? And, and then you move on to what? So you're all looking at me like, well, yeah, that never happens around here, Dominguez. But I can imagine something like that, right? And of course, it's not just the guys. The girls would never do this. But imagine a girl who's like, oh, man, there's nobody. Oh, the pickings are so slim. Oh, my gosh. 
okay, I got to get that guy, like, that, there he is. And so, of course, you're going to do what, ladies? Whatever, whatever you need to do to get him to notice you. In COVID land, it's a little trickier, but it's just still possible, right? Uh, and so, whatever it takes to get him to notice you, you get him to notice you. And if he's being late to asking you out, you're just going to do what? Ask him out, and finally, you get to go out with him, and you're seen with him, and everybody sees you with him, and then you're kind of sick of him because you got to move on to the next guy, right? And again, you're like, I, Dominguez, I have no idea what that like, but I can imagine other teenagers doing those types of things. Yes? Can we? And by the way, if that really is foreign to you, can you imagine that? People are like that. They want to go out with someone just to be seen with them, we, in marriage situations, we call that the trophy wife. Have you heard that? You're getting someone to marry you because of the social publicity, whatever you're going to get, because she's whatever. And like, yeah, I married her. It's not about her. It's about the fact that you married her. And women do the same thing. Like, yeah, I got him. <laughs> trophy husband. Woo. Yes. And interestingly, Shakespeare calls that the hunt. He, he talks about hunting that way, where it's really about consumption and trophy. Spectrum of love. I don't know if we would call that love, but spectrum of relationship. People in love with love and people who are in it just for the hunt. Yes? Are we start, so we see what Shakespeare's doing now. I think what's intriguing to me is you look at a couple lines down, and it makes Arsino a little awkward, maybe a lot of awkward. Why, so do I, the noblest that I have. Oh, when mine eyes did see Olivia first, methought she purged the air of pestilence. <sighs> I don't know. I haven't figured out if I can, like, it's not a joke, but it's kind of, but not really. Like, if you were all dying of the pestilence, which you call it the plague, which we're in the middle of a pandemic, but you're all dying of that, and Olivia walks in the room, what happens to everybody? She purges the air of the pestilence. That instant when I was turned into a I was turned into a heart. So like catch these lines. Again, we gotta like dig in a little. We're doing character development. I was turned into a deer, and my desires turned into demonic dogs chasing down the deer. Did anybody catch that? Did we talk about demonic dogs yet in this class? Okay, okay, give me your best demonic dog bark. Ready? One, two, three. Oh my gosh, I'm the only one doing it. Uh, Fine, it's what, 8 in the morning. I'm not going to do demonic dog bark, right? But like you're in Shakespeare class and there's demonic dog bark on line 19, right? Yes, come on. No, no. Bertie, you got to lead. Oh, come on. I lost my voice. I can't do the demonic dog bark. All right. Well, at least someone needs to burp later when we read our lines. Last class, nobody burped. I'm like, there's no one in the class that can burp on command. All right. All right. Okay. So I'm not sure what you want to do with that, but he's comparing his desires for Olivia to hunting and demonic dogs. Ladies, is that attractive? I don't know. She's weird. Okay. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> We've got someone out there confidently not attractive. All right. Page 88. We got the dead brother connection. Up, oh, spectrum of love. What else do we have? So we've got in love with love. We've got like demonic dog desires. 
We've got hunting, but now we have brother-sister love. How are we doing? Is that on the spectrum of love? Yeah, it's pretty cool. So brother-sister love is there. Page 89, what country friends is this, right? She washes up on shore. Now we did the chance, chance, chance thing with you guys. Yeah, we did do that. So chance, 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 and in the play about love, is it all random chance? <gasps> Not when there's an author involved, right? Yeah, okay, go Shakespeare. We'll keep going. Gold for hope, that's cool stuff. And then go to page 91, who governs here? And yes, we had the demonic dog thing and the hunting thing, but what does the captain say about Arsino? He's at least what? He's noble, right? He's a noble duke in nature and in name. So are we okay with Arsino? I mean, that was weird, right? Was it weird? It was weird. But the duke says he's cool. So is he cool? Okay, good. Good thing we said that. She wants to serve. Who's following serve? In this class, anybody following service? Nobody's following service? Or maybe they're not here. Okay, that's fine. They're out serving, probably. All right. Um, and by the way, too, if you didn't catch it, theme, he was a bachelor then, implying marriage and wondering. So page 92, conceal me what I am. All right, so everybody go to line 50 on page 92. Who is following identity and masculinity and femininity? Right there, circle it. Huge, and then I live in an anemone, like your Nemo. All right, page 92, conceal me what I am, and be my aid, for such disguise as happily shall become the form of my intent. I'll do what? I'll serve this duke. By the way, she can sing and dance, so that helped. Does he like songs? We don't know about dancing, but, you know. All right. I skipped it. Did anybody catch it? In the movie, it said, I'll become a boy to him. What does the text say? Do you want me to read the footnote out loud? I mean, I can. But if you're not reading the footnotes, that's why we're going slow today. So we can slow down and you can look at the footnotes. Interestingly enough, the eunuch back then had a name. It was the eunuch, which would mean non-gender not male or female. You could even go so far as to say in our modern context that would be the non-binary. Fair enough? Are we tracking? So just in case you were wondering if there was a theme on identity, is there a theme on identity? Yeah, right? And that's the interesting thing. And she would present herself as non-binary, as a eunuch, so that there's no threat with Orsino. And can you even now see why Orsino would send the eunuch to get Olivia, right? Yeah, keep this all nice and neutral, right? Like nothing's going on here. But there it is, because everything's in disguise. All right, keep going. I find it intriguing that I've brought that up over the years, but after 22 years of teaching Shakespeare, sheeshing? Maybe that's half of what I am doing. Anyways. Uh, after all these years of teaching Shakespeare and bringing up the gender issue, which has been a theme ever since I've taught this and ever since I first read it, it's all right there. And the eunuch note has been there this whole time, right? Why is there a different feel in 2019, 2020? Because it's where? The, the language is all over social media and the news and the global community, right? It's not that these issues weren't there. It's just what now? It's in the social conversation. Does that make sense? So it's always been there, right? 
400 years ago it was there, and 2,000 years ago, and 3,000 years ago. All the way back to the Garden of Eden, right? Male and female, and what that means. Keep going. Bring it up. Just, just what's, on the, what's on the stage? Act 1, scene 3. What a plague means my niece to take the death of her brother thus. We already talked about these lines, right? Jerk, jerk, jerk. My niece is crying over my dead nephew, and it's ruining my day. Oh, my God. Any of you out there who know someone who has died, a loved one who has died, there are students at this school who have lost siblings and parents, right? Just imagine, I want you to go there again on this line. He is such a jerk. But that's his opening line. Does that make sense? Whew. Keep going. Page 94, Andrew's rich and not real bright. Is that fair enough? Why is he there? To woo who? He's there to try and win Olivia's love so that they can get married. That's like the whole reason why he's there on the outside. Why does Toby have him there? What do you guys think? Yeah, let's really go there. Toby has Andrew there so he can marry Olivia so he can keep mooching off of all of them and then be the guy who set him up and then now she's even richer and Toby's in for good now because his drinking buddy got married to his niece. Talking about selfish, right? Yeah? Tracking? Is that on the, I mean, is, is that the spectrum of love, I guess? Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so 3,000 ducats a year. He's a fool and a prodigal. She kind of says, I wish he was dead. Yikes. All right. Page 95. I don't think we talked about this yet. If we did, let me know. Well, we have to talk about this, and then we'll jump into just reading. We'll get to scene four while we start reading, okay? Ah, oh, man, I don't even like doing this lesson, but it's in the play, so we got to talk about it. Line 40, page 95, Sir Andrew, Sir Toby Belch, how now, Sir Toby Belch? Sweet Sir Andrew to Maria, bless you, fair shrew. Which, what is that? And to you, a cost, Sir Andrew, a cost. What's that? My niece's chambermaid? And then he says, good mistress Acost. Did we already do the Acost chat? Yeah, I don't think so. Did anybody look up Acost? By the way, did Andrew look up Acost? No, so Andrew did not do his homework. I asked you to do your homework. Make sure you look up the words you don't know. Because Andrew says, good mistress Acost, I desire better acquaintance with you. What does Acost mean? Yeah, it's in the notes. Woo her, assail her, to go, to go alongside sexually. This is not a little handshake. Does that make sense? And actually, on top of that, just in case you missed it, I missed it, the audience misses it, Andrew did miss it. So just in case we didn't catch Toby's tone, he actually says it. Maria says, my name is Mary. Oh, good mistress Mary Acost. Acost means to basically to rape. He's like, oh, good mistress Mary rape. And Toby's like, what? 
idiot. It means to front, just in case you missed it, front her, board her, woo her, assail her. Assail is not gentle. Like tackle, wrestle down, and force. Rape. Yes? Are we catching this? Spectrum of love is this love. It's not love. It shouldn't be even on the spectrum. But just so you're aware of what's going on with the Toby. Right? Yes, he's a drunken fool, but he's also, I, I keep saying pervert, because the, these guys are, this is her boss. I mean, really her boss is Olivia, but they have authority over her. So this is sexual abuse. Does that make sense? I mean, if you didn't catch, like, just to make sure you caught it, Toby's like, oh, hey, Andrew, here's Maria. You can ride her whenever you want to. I mean, if you want to have sex with her, just have sex with her right now. No big deal. Horror, right? The horror of this. She has to live with this. By the way, does she have much of a voice? No. Do people have to live with this? Yeah, the healthy side of the Me Too movement is right here, right? Does that make sense? Like, get a voice out there for these jerk men who are using their power to sexually exploit women. Now, that happened 400 years ago. Is it still happening? Yeah, we need to deal with this issue. We need more voice, and we need men to honor women, not exploit them using their power. On the spectrum, are there men who exploit women using their power? Yeah, I don't really want to put that on the spectrum, but do you see why Shakespeare is putting this up on stage? Yeah? And by the way, emotionally, I've been coming on strong with Toby. Anybody see it now? Yeah, this guy is a perverted jerk. And they exist. Sadly, they even exist at Wheaton Academy. Right? Exploiting women sexually, using their power or their influence. Yeah? Sad. Questions? Got really quiet. Questions, thoughts, comments? Again, this is where I, I often wonder if I'll get the parent phone call. But it definitely, can you see why people are like, how can you teach this stuff at that school? And what do I say back to them? How could I not teach this stuff at this school? That makes sense. Like, this is what we're living with in our culture. It's all over the news, all these issues, and we're only in Act One of our first play. <laughs> Go Shakespeare. Are we seeing it? What does this kind of stuff do to love? Like, this play is about love, it's about marriage, it's about relationships. What does sexual exploitation do to all of that, right? It, it poisons it, it ruins it, right? So the drunken fool subjugating women and exploiting women, they're in this play, they're in our culture. Keep going. Question? Okay. Well, we noticed that Andrew doesn't even know English, let alone the four languages like French that he says he knows. But he's at least a good dancer. Did everybody get that? He's a good dancer? So then we're okay.
Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Page 100. We've got some time left here. Let's at least get started. I think what we're going to do is let's get started and do some reading. All right. And then we'll read as much as we can today. We'll finish the reading and then we'll just spend the rest of the time watching the movie tomorrow. How's that sound? Like a good hour or so of movie. And we'll, and, and that'll, we'll get quickly through Act 1 in the movie, and then we'll even dip into Act 2 in the movie, hopefully with the reading that you did. <coughs> Thanks, guys, for listening. Now, part of what I wanted to do here is like slow down. Like This is what we can do with this play. You don't have to. But these lines, if we pause and dig into them and get the character development, we just got all of our introductions. This is a play about love and marriage. Who do you want to marry? Right? How attractive is the Toby right now? Yeah? And we'll talk later. We're setting up some stuff for later. This is only Act 1. Let's see where we end up with these marriages and with these relationships. Okay, so who has Act 1, Scene 4, Lines 1 through 11? Right here. Are we ready? Yes. Okay, so we're going to read these out loud. I am okay, right, for some of you, if you need to just drop it down to read it out loud to project. You don't need to do that, but if you, if you want to do that, we're fine and just put it back up. Is it safe? Is it safe for people to read? I hope so. I'm getting a bunch of nods. It needs to be. It needs to be safe for people to mess up. I messed up yesterday like four times when I was trying to cover lines. We're going to mess up. It's okay. Maybe you won't. Okay, bless you. No big deal, though. And if you don't know a line, you don't know how to say a word, just make it up. Whatever. It's 400 years old, so no big deal. Okay? I will interrupt a whole bunch. That's why we're doing this, is so I can do what's more of this, is unpack the lines to show you where we can go with Shakespeare lines. All right? Also to point out themes. You don't have to do voices, but you can. Right? Um, don't say the names, and don't worry about anything in italics. I might read some of those just as kind of narrator. All right? Any questions? So have a pen or pencil out. We're just going to follow along, project as best you can. Let's go for it. Ready? So act one, scene four, enter Valentine and Viola as Cesario in man's attire. If the Duke continue these favors towards you, Cesario, you are like to be much advanced. He hath known you but three days, and already you are no stranger. You either fear his humor or my negligence, that you call into question the continuance of his love. Is he inconsistent, sir, in his favors? No, believe me. I thank you. Here comes the count. Who saw you, Cesario? Oh, on your attendance, my lord. Here. Um, stand you a while aloof, Cesario. Thou knowest no less but all. I have unclasped to thee the book of even my secret soul. Time out. Let's give it up for our readers. We always clap for our readers. Come on. Hey. Nice job getting us started and interrupting. How long have they known each other? Three days. How well do they know each other? Okay, well enough that Ursino's doing what? Sharing all of his secrets. Everybody catch that? I've unclasped to the even the book of my secret soul. So he's telling him everything. Yeah? But it's really who? Don't miss, don't miss it. Ready? What is Shakespeare saying? Can guys and girls be best friends but not be dating? Is it possible? I don't know. Is it anybody? Like, is that, can that actually happen? Yeah? Yeah, right? Uh, interestingly, though, is that really what's happening on stage? Well, no, because he thinks it's a guy, but it's actually a girl. 
But since it's actually a girl and a guy sharing stuff, can it actually happen? Why does it have to change all of a sudden now that I know it's a girl? Are we, are we seeing what's going on there? But does it change? Or does it have to change? But can you be best friends, but not be dating? And I don't, you guys live it, right? <laughs> right? But I think that's an interesting point that he's sticking up there. Like, these guys are best friends, and it's a guy and a girl. Hey, all right, cool. And they're not dating. <gasps> Especially at Wheat Academy culture, right? Like, you talk to someone, now you're like, married, ah! <laughs> anyway, okay, keep going. Give it up for our readers. Why is Cesario so girly? Because she's the man. Are we everybody catching that? So we already talked about this outside. Hey, go get Olivia for me. And you'll be great for this because you like got girl lips and a girl voice and you kind of look girly. So you'll be perfect for the job. Right? We're tracking identity stuff, masculinity stuff, all that stuff is in this. How intriguing, though, right? What happens if a guy is maybe has some girlish qualities, or if a girl has some guyish qualities? Is that all of a sudden a gender change? Or is that necessarily something bad? Or what does that mean? Or what are guy qualities and girl qualities? Like what, what actually is a guy quality, and what is a girl quality? Is it the lips and the muscle tone? Like the voice? Right? Now we're all like, oh, we're not going there yet. It's just we're bringing it all up, aren't we? Okay. Carry on. All right, act one, scene four. Let's give it up for our reader. Come on, you guys, let's go. We're reading Shakespeare out loud. It's a big deal. All right. Um, anybody catch this? If you get the girl for me, you'll prosper well and be as rich as me. What's he going to do if Cesario can pull this off? You hook him up, right? Like, and now you can, I don't know what you do with that. Her love is worth all this money? Kind of cool. Or I'm paying you to get what I want? Not so cool. Or is that cool? I don't know. I don't want to do that, but it's there. Does that make sense? So there's money involved for all the Marxists out there who want to write about that later. 
and three days in, she's just met him and she wants to marry him. Can that happen? Come on, can you? Who believes in love in three days? Can you fall in love with someone and know in three days? Yes or no? Come on, we got a vote. Let's go vote. Yes or no? Eh? How about three hours? What is it, three years? Three months? Three years? 30 years? <laughs> All right, I love at first sight, love in three days, love in three months, love in three years. I don't know, but for them, three days. She's like, I'm in. I want to marry this guy. Service, who's doing service and love? This is huge. Spectrum. <gasps> Come on, the spectrum is so good right here. The spectrum of love. Look at all the stuff we've had up on stage. Some of it not so great. Brother, sister, love, we can handle that. But the spectrum of love over here, <gasps> she loves Arsino and wants to marry him. Well, that's on the spectrum. But she's willing to do what? She's willing to get another girl for the guy that she loves? What kind of love is that? Love is not self-seeking. This is sacrificial love. I mean, I tried to get you there out on the lawn. Go there right now. Ladies, there's this guy who you really like. Like, you really, really like him, and you've been kind of holding out. And you're friends, and you're like, oh my gosh, why won't he just ask me out? And so then he's walking towards you, and you're like, oh, he's got that look. Oh, my gosh, this might be it. And he comes up, right? And he walks towards you, and he says, there's this girl I really like, and you're, we're kind of buds, so can you help me get her, get out, go on a date with her? And you, like, what do you say? Yes, I will help you get that other girl, right? I mean, guys, flip it around. Same thing, right? There's this girl that you really like, and she's coming at you, and you're like, I'm going to ask her out. And all of a sudden, she springs it on you. Hey, you know, we're kind of close, and I really like that guy. Can you get him to ask me out, please? And you're like, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, of course, I, whatever you want, right? Like, uh, would you do it? I just want to know, would you do it? What would it take to do that to get the guy or the girl for the person that you like? Question, thought, comment. Right. Does that make sense? So that's the trap. So if you're following disguise, there you go. Illusion versus reality. All of that. And what did we just... Oh, let's go. Right there. Come on, Ben. Heisen. You're on it. Right? What did we just realize? The masks... <gasps> metaphor! The mask for her is now creating kind of a prison, isn't it? Are there some... There's some positive consequences. She's safe. She has a job. But now, what's the negative, huge negative consequence of this disguise and mask? Yeah, she's trapped, isn't she? And actually, you'll see she gets more and more and more trapped in it. Or she's just going to rip it off and like, but I'm a girl and I love you. Is that going to work? No. So, oh, come on. Fourth period. Right? What might Shakespeare be offering us? Careful of lying, careful of your disguises, careful of not really being who you are. Because if you're not really who you are, and then people start liking that, now you're what? You're stuck. Because then they might find out that you're really what? Not 
that that is some of the danger of something like social media pages and stuff like that if you're not really being you and everybody likes that then they don't really like who you've probably heard that a million times in all the talks about all this kind of stuff but like it's it's 400 years ago shakespeare gets that the masks are really dangerous hiding your true identity even ready even for some good reasons potentially can have some really negative consequences can it yeah you guys are awesome. Keep going. Questions, thoughts, comments? Cool. Like I said, for those of you who are like, oh my gosh, when are we going to get to the movie? We will. We don't do this with every scene. Actually, this is the only scene we do this with, this semester, or act. But hopefully you're seeing why, right? Hopefully you're like, we're slowing down, we're pulling this stuff out, we're seeing what's available. Act one, scene five. Are we ready? Action. Oh, we don't have the next lines, do we? Yeah. All right. Yet you will be hanged for being so long absent or be turned away. It's not that as good as a hanging to you. I just read that wrong. Is not that as good as a hanging to you. Many good hanging prevents a bad marriage. And for turning away, let summer bear it out. Let's give it up for our reader who read those first lines. And we have another line to talk about. In case you missed it, we've already referenced it. What did he just say? I'd rather be dead than in what? A bad marriage. I'll let, I've said it like six times now in class, but here we are in the play. These are, this is Festy just traipsing up on stage. You're going to get hung. You were late. You missed the funeral. You're in trouble. Let her hang me. Actually, you know what? It might be better to be hung than getting a, a crummy marriage. I just wonder, like, how many of us have really thought about that? How many of us are setting ourselves up well for a good marriage? Because a great marriage is a blessing. It's beautiful. It's powerful. New life can come from it. You get this sense of family, right? But you can get sense of family not in a marriage. You can have beautiful, powerful relationships not in a marriage. And you can even mother and father kids, especially spiritual kids, not in a marriage. So it's not, like, don't think that that's what's necessary. Does that make sense? So a great marriage is fantastic, but a crummy one, you're bound in covenant relationship with someone for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, I'd be careful, right? Festy's like, ah, ah, no way. Again, I think I said this earlier, it makes you wonder how Shakespeare's marriage was and what's coming through right now. I don't know. People have used this line to speculate. Keep going. You are resolute then? Not so neither, but I am resolved on two points, that if one break, the other will hold, or if both break, your Gaskins fall. Apt in good faith, very apt. Well, go that way. If Sir Toby would leave drinking, 
thou wert as witty a piece of Eve's flesh as any in Illyria. Peace, you rogue, no more of that. Here comes my lady, make your excuse wisely. You were best. Oh, time out. Let's give it up for our reader. Come on. Oh, my gosh. He's late. Missed the funeral. She comes back. Get the fool out of my face. Right? Just like, take the fool away. I don't want to, like, take the fool away. He's like, yeah, take her away. <laughs> what did he just call Olivia? A fool? Good idea or bad idea right after a funeral? Uh, <laughs> all right. Or at least in close proximity one. So well read, but so just make sure you catch this. He just called her a fool. And in case you missed it, he does it like 10 lines later again. Yes? All right, keep going. Give it up for our reader. Great lines here. We got some philosophy. We got some stuff about sin and patched and what that means. So well read. That's a lot. Nice work. I think we don't have the next lines, right? It's Cooper. So I'll go for it. Sir, I bade them take away you, Miss Prison, who's following prison, in the highest degree, lady. Cacullus non facet monacum. That's as much to say I wear not motley in my brain. Good Madonna. Give me leave to prove you a fool. Can you do it? Dexterously, good Madonna. Make your proof. I must catechize you for it, Madonna. Good my mouse of virtue. <gasps> Is she a lion of virtue? <laughs> Crack me up. My little squeaky mouse of virtue. Oh my gosh. Like He does not hold back. Good my mouse of virtue. Answer me. Well, sir, for want of other idleness, I'll bide your proof. Good Madonna, why more's thou? Good fool for my brother's death. I think his soul's in hell, Madonna. Who says that? <laughs> I think his soul is in hell, Madonna. I know his soul's in heaven, fool. <gasps> the more fool, Madonna, to mourn for your brother's soul being in heaven. Take away the fool, gentlemen. See that? Okay, you're a director or directress of this play or movie. Well, how do you have Olivia respond? She goes, smack! Right? Or is she like kind of crying right now? Is she laughing? Is she getting hot? What do you do? You're going to see it tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
a funeral. No. No. But, but, but interestingly, he's a fool. Is he actually a fool? Is he right? Why are you crying? Is it in heaven? Spectrum of love, spectrum of love. What love just got thrown right in our faces on stage? What kind of love? Self-love. And he's what? Sick of self-love. There it is. How? Come on, picture the social scene. The head butler's right here. By the way, was he joking about Festy? Was he just joking around? No, he was being a jerk. He's like, yeah, this guy's an idiot. I don't see why you laugh at him. He's got like brain of a, st a stone of a brain of a stone. Stone of a brain? Brain of a stone. Right. right? So do I right there. But he's like, he's not joking. Malvolio's being a jerk. And by the way, if you want to write in the margin, Act 5, some major foreshadowing. Festy brings these exact lines up in Act 5 later in Malvolio's face. Okay, so comes back around. Um, don't mess with the fool, right? But oh, you are sick of self-love, Malvolio. There it is. But what do you do with that, though? She says it out loud in public right to his face. And interestingly, does he even like, defend it? He's like, no, I'm not. And he's just like, although what can he say? It's her boss, his boss, right? Eh? Tricky. Weird line. Deep line. But it also gives it away. Everybody knows it. She says it out loud. He's selfish. Keep going. To be generous, guiltless, and of free disposition is to take those things, things for virtuous that you can and enforce. There is no slander in an allowed fool, though he do nothing but rail, nor no railing in no deceit man, though he do nothing but deceit. Now Mercury, and he be with pleasing for thou seeks will of Madam, there is at the gate at a young gentleman much desire to see with you. From, from the Count Martino, is it? I know not, madam. Is a very young man and well attended. Who of my people hold him in delay? Sir Toby, madam, the kingsman. Fetch him off, I pray you. He speaks nothing but madness. <laughs> be on him. Go you, Malvolio, into 
be a suit from the count, I am sick or not at home. What, what you will to dismiss it. All right, let's get up for our readers. What did she just ask Malvolio to do? We'll end on this. Go live. I mean, we do this. Like, I missed my text. Sorry. Or I just, I wasn't home. My mom was so awesome, right? She's in high school. It's like, yeah, if you don't want to go on a date or you don't want to go out with that person, just tell them that I, I said you couldn't. I'm like, oh, thanks, Mom. <laughs> You're awesome, right? But she's like, yeah, um, tell them I'm not here. Tell them I'm sick. Is she sick? Is she there? Yeah, so, but ready? Malvolio's willing to do what? Lie for her. And interesting, why is he so frustrated that there's someone at the gate? We're getting it now. Why is he all upset about that? Because he's what? He's crushing on Olivia, and here comes someone to get her. All right, that's all in here as well. He is so rude to her right here, just in case you missed it. All right? Super rude. And we'll get to that later. We'll get more of that coming. Hey, let's give it up for all of our readers today, reading out loud. Nice job reading Shakespeare out loud. We will finish this up tomorrow and then watch the movie, a whole bunch of movie tomorrow. I'd encourage you to start dipping into act two. And by now, hopefully you're getting the characters and getting the plot and getting some of the lines here. And we're really going to get some traction. You guys are awesome. Nice job today. Go fall in love. That's your homework. Or, or not. Or I, yeah, OK. <laughs> you got to be careful saying that. It can actually happen. Peace, guys.